Hello everyone and welcome or welcome back to The Leadership Journey. My name is Holly Ferguson. And I'm John Buckley. This is season two of The Leadership Journey. We're excited to be back and we have a new topic this season. Yeah, last season we talked about systems and this season we're going to be talking about culture. John, this is one of your areas of expertise. How did you become someone who helps organisations with culture? It goes right back to the start of my career, working for an organisation that had a fatality and I was then put in a role that was working through you know, the behavioural aspects of workplaces and that broadened my understanding of behaviour in the workplace was highly related to culture and that started my journey on understanding what culture is and I'm still on that journey. So on that note, I know you're still on the journey of understanding culture, but what have you learnt so far? <laughs> that culture's... One of those things that we need to keep paying close attention to, we need to keep seeking to understand what's happening for people and realising that culture is fundamentally, people commonly say it's the way we do things around here. It's shaped by the way leaders lead and what leaders focus on. So the shadow we cast as leaders is really important around what people see is the way we do work here. Unfortunately, we hear a lot about companies which have cultures that are described as toxic. How does that happen? It can happen for many reasons, but I think if I was to simplistically say it just comes from more often than not hindering type roles that people form. It means someone in the business or people in the business are being persecutors. You know, they're blaming people, attacking people, either verbally, worst case, even physically. There's a lot of persecution happening in the workplace, which then creates victims and people become victim-orientated and start protecting themselves and then start avoiding situations and removing themselves. I mean, victims either fight, flight or freeze. So they either fight back to the persecutor and then it becomes a very aggressive, argumentative workplace most tend to flight, so they tend to avoid it. They go quiet. They remove themselves from the situation. And, uh, you know, those that freeze are the ones that just get shocked by it and they're, and, and they're in shock for it. So it generally comes from the roles we're playing, and we talk about them as hindering roles in culture, and that creates a lot of fear. Last season we spoke about systems and how they are so important to having a healthy business. What is the intersection between systems and culture? We did speak a lot about how important systems are and fundamentally though, no matter how good those systems are, if the culture's toxic, if the culture's not right, the systems become irrelevant. Um, So the culture is, as we say, in general, simple terms, the way we do things around here. The systems provide the framework, the bounding box, I guess, the boundaries for how we do that and it sort of predefines it and it gives people their their lines on how they're going to do their roles and how much we trust that, engage with that, evolve that is dependent on the culture. If the system's poorly designed or overly complicated or overly focused on, it can create a culture that is not very people-centric, it's not very open and and value-centric, behavioural-centric. It just becomes about complying and, and ticking and flicking and doing things related to the system. The system itself on its own doesn't create performance. It's understanding the connection between the system and the culture at the same time. 
Is there any sort of system that exists that incorporates culture or can manipulate itself to work with culture? There's a few now who are starting to incorporate in systems design or the design of a system or a process that encompasses cultural elements to it. Now, we spoke a lot in the last season with Bill and Gabe around their ADAPT platform and that's an example where we're creating a system that has within it the connected considerations of cultural understandings, how we communicate, how we share information, how we interact within different teams and different roles. So when systems start to appreciate the relationships that exist in teams and businesses, then the system actually starts to impact itself or involve itself more in the way the culture grows and and evolves as well. So a lot of your work is involved in culture change. So you help companies better their culture. Is that a good description of it? Most people default to thinking about it as improving uh, their culture. I think sometimes it's about getting clarity on what it is you want. I think most people feel they have a cultural problem because they don't actually understand what they want from a cultural aspect. So therefore then when there's problems occurring in the business or performance issues in the business, research shows that culture trumps all that. So it's obviously a cultural problem. And yeah, sometimes you go in and there is a cultural problem. There's there's quite toxic environments. There's more fear than trust. And yeah, you've got to help you know, unpack that and work out strategies to grow it. Other times the actual culture is quite good. You know, the culture is actually quite good. And People do trust each other and they work well together. They're just The system's immature and the system doesn't create the structure and the routines that are required for that culture to thrive. So sometimes it's system. So I find my role is to help leaders of the organisation understand what's going on in their performance goals and what's missing in there. Is it cultural? Is it systems? Um, or is it environmental? You know, Is there something going on in the workplace itself that hinders that um, in in the way that we work. And how do you assess that? Is that done through talking to people, surveys, quizzes? All the above. Surveys are a great way just to get quick information, frame up a few really you know, important questions that we need some feedback on. Surveys are a great, way, a great way just to get some initial representation of what's happening. You've got to follow that up with engaging people. You've got to go out and talk to people and listen to people and for me, when we talk about culture, there's always a common theme that I think is really important and it's just listening to people, listening to what's happening, listening to the system. When we talk about systems thinking, it includes the system and the people at the same time as one as one entity. So surveys work really well. Interviewing people works really well. Running focus groups with groups of people so they can share their opinions openly with each other gives you a sense of what's happening as well so it's not necessarily just what's being said but it's the dynamic in that being said going out and doing observations in the workplace just seeing how work gets done and connect that to what people are wanting to be done so I think you need to use quite a few different tools and techniques to really get a good understanding of what's happening. And does a culture have to be in a really bad space for someone external like yourself to come in what kind of state does a company need to be in? Any state. My experience shows those that are probably in a bit more of a challenging state, so in probably down the lower end of culture maturity, which we'll talk more about, 
throughout this season, they generally don't engage to solve it, and that's half their problem. Unfortunately, we know we can add the most value there, but we generally don't get an opportunity to do that. Those are on the higher end of the scale who have very constructive open cultures are the ones we tend to work with the most because they understand the importance of it and the nuances of understanding it and getting better at it. So we tend to work probably on the higher end of cultural maturity or organisations or teams because of their awareness of it and their value of it. What is the benefit of having someone external rather than someone internal trying to fix culture problems? The first easiest answer to that is we're not involved in the potential politics that sit inside any organisation and any team. Uh, There's always some form of positional movement happening anyway, so we're not a part of that. The second thing is we don't know the norms, so we're, we're open to looking for them and finding them and looking for those consistent norms rather than necessarily our bias of what annoys me. So internally we generally have things that we're aware of that we don't like and we tend to go validate those and don't stay open enough to what else is actually happening in the business. So we don't know those, we just go find them. We just go find exactly what's going on. I like to use the, the word there, we're a bit of a mirror. You know, we get a chance to put a mirror up and see what's actually going on. And what are some of the most um, common issues that cultures encounter? The most common challenge is fear. And it's not necessarily fear created by people within the team or even the leaders. It's inherently as people, we fear things. We fear what people think. We fear what happens when things go wrong. Uh, we fear judgment. We fear criticism. We have a job that puts you know, food on the table and a roof over our heads. We, we fear losing that. So fear's a fundamental piece that sits within the culture that as leaders and as people within the teams, if we're not actively trying to show that it's safe to get into those spaces and explore those spaces without being judged, without being criticised, without being removed from the workplace due to making a mistake, that's, that's the critical aspect to me. There's a whole heap of other little dynamics you can get into, but I think fundamentally the biggest one is fear, and you see it all the time, people holding back their opinion, people holding back their full explanation of something, people holding back is probably the biggest thing I see that cultures need to keep addressing. Over the course of the season, we'll be learning a lot about the different aspects of culture and how we can nurture great cultures. But to end this episode... What should leaders do to get started with improving or even assessing their company's culture? Yeah, getting started. I think the first thing needs to be being open and curious to what what's happening now. You know, remove your lens on it and just go and listen to what's happening now because once you once you get that, then you can sort of sit down and start processing about, well, is there anything I need to do differently? Is there anything I need to keep just doing more of? Um, is there things we need to keep improving on? So I think for any leaders, is it's curiosity, just being open. It's, not, it's never what you think it is. And if you don't go out with an open mind and start really engaging with your people and listening to what's happening for them and understanding their point of view on things then you're not really going to get an opportunity to enhance things that you may not necessarily be aware of. So I'm aware that I did say 
last question last time, but really last question, what do you hope people will get out of this season of the podcast? This season being around culture is I hope people listening to this season get a greater appreciation for their role in culture and the different aspects of thinking about culture. So, you know, leadership and, you know, people and trust and all the different attributes that we're going to talk about. I just hope people get a greater appreciation for what culture is and how important it is and fundamentally how interesting it is. Thank you for listening to the first episode of The Leadership Journey. We are delighted to be back for season two. We'll be continuing our discussion on culture throughout the season. To keep up to date with us and the Barclays team, you can find our social media accounts in the description. At Barclays, we wish to acknowledge the custodians of this land, the Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation, and their elders past, present and future.